Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Chats with Chaudhry. I hope you're all safe and well. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by my good friend, Kath Darlington, who is CEO of the Scott Partnership, which are a marketing communications agency, which do a lot of work within life science. So I thought it'd be great to catch up with Kath and really look at her journey as she started up her agency within life sciences and the experiences she's had running her own business, but also looking at how communication has changed within the life science space during her time at the agency. So, Kath, lovely to see you. Hi, Rizvan. Very nice to speak with you as ever. Yeah, and I have to say, you always do dress well, but today I think I'm going to the ball with you, actually. <laughs> well, Rizvan, <laughs> normally I would be trying to coordinate with you, but my, my wall and my chair coordinating. So I, I always have a touch of orange, just happy. Yeah, well, it's lovely to see you. Look, um, thank you for taking time out to talk to me. Uh, I thought as I said in the intro, it'd be lovely to get your experiences uh, in terms of running your own business um, and also your experiences in terms of how communications has changed in life science. But before we talk about that, um, I think it'd be really helpful for people to just have a better understanding of the business that you have and what your role is within that. Okay, well, thanks for giving me this forum. Um, We've been going for more than 25 years now. We first founded the business in 1996 and the Scott Partnership is now a group of companies. Um, we're headquartered in Cheshire in the UK and um, we service clients internationally. We have a footprint in North America and a footprint in Asia in Shanghai. And um, we work predominantly, as you mentioned, in life sciences, but also in a number of other um, peripheral scientific um, industries and sectors. Um, the group I mentioned, we originally founded the Scott Partnership as a B2B PR agency and our client base was predominantly analytical instrumentation. Um, we've had a, an interesting journey of growth, always worked internationally, always worked with clients who are typically headquartered in North America and supporting them um, into global markets. We acquired a couple of competitors in about 2011, one called Kapler Communications and one called Phoenix Marcom. And that sort of helped our group to grow in different ways. Both companies are still very active with their own client bases and um, we have great fun doing what we do. Fantastic. So let's go back right at the very beginning then. So how did you get into starting your own business and what made you decide to start your own business? Oh, right. Okay. It feels like such a long time ago. Um, in 1996, before the Scott Partnership was founded, I led the PR department of a full service marketing agency. Um, at that time, I mean, I must preface this by saying I am not a scientist. Like so many people who work in this industry, I happen to have stumbled into it by chance and been very lucky. Um, the agency I worked for was based in the UK, servicing UK clients. And one of those clients happened to be in science and happened to sit in my portfolio. When I decided to set up the business, which was really for very selfish reasons, I was youngish, I was under 30. Um, I was based in the Northwest of the UK and I felt I'd sort of hit where I could move to. Um, I didn't want to move back to London for personal reasons. And I thought, where am I gonna go? What can I do if I move to another company? I'm just gonna be doing the same old thing. So it, it was really a very sort of selfish introspective point in my life to say, I need a bit of freedom and I need to be able to take the walls away and push where I can push. 
so that was what sort of led me to set up the business and of course you know like many people I set up a business doing what I knew how to do which at the time was BPR and as I mentioned we had a client that came with us um my first client was actually my former agency um, and they contracted my business to support their existing client base. So um, I was effectively looking after the work I already had. Um, and one of my clients came with me in life sciences and that pulled us right into this market. Um, what's been interesting, um, and I do remember back to 1996, somebody saying to me, science is such a nice market scientists are such nice people you will really enjoy it um and i've never ever regretted that what we found is that there's a barrier to entry for other agencies if you don't work in science it looks like a different language it feels um like an insurmountable mountain but if you're in science it's easy, it's great, it's fascinating. And everything that we do applies to other markets as well, but we do it in science. Right. So here's a question for you, because I obviously have only been working in science for four years now. And like you, having now worked in science, I love working in it. The people are lovely. And I don't just say that because they're my clients, but because they genuinely are lovely people and they are very passionate about what they do and trying to develop um, solutions to improve people's health and yes. lives. So, and you, that always comes out when I talk to scientists. In terms of communicating though, to scientists and helping companies to communicate to scientists having worked in other industries for other agencies prior to starting your own up when you first came into science what were the major differences that you saw in terms of how scientists reacted to communications maybe perhaps to uh, that compared to other industries well you know Actually, and I, this is probably ironic, what I found working with different industries before I set up the business was that the scientists were more adventurous and they were willing to have more fun. Um, so that was always nice. Um, it, when I came into the industry, it was very much more a male industry, but you could have great fun in that um, because you, you could push boundaries a bit more. Um, now I'm going to say that really, it's going to be inevitable to say, but it's about business. It comes down to business and bottom line. And so, you know, we can't just play around with the nice things. We, we do have clients who like to do fun activity, but mainly it's about return on investment. Mainly it's about reaching the right target audience and proving that things are going to work. And when it comes down to it, you know, the big differences between when we started the businesses and now are you're still communicating, you're still defining who you're communicating with, and it's only the tools and tactics that have changed. So the big picture is companies need to reach their target audiences, and how do you do that? Um, so for us, it's fun because we like those sorts of things, but underneath it all, it's all about business. Sure. I mean, in terms of, though, you know, again, other industries, and if I talk about PR specifically, you know, I know that in certain industries, which will remain nameless, there's a lot of entertaining going on, uh, both with journalists and also <laughs> with uh, sort of inf key influencers within those sectors. Obviously, in an area like science, which is very ethical, that doesn't happen. You know, that's very, very different. And scientists obviously want to have more, more facts and information. So um, obviously, from your experience, how have you found that in terms of communicating to scientists themselves? You know, uh, you know what, what do you think? About that. I think it's a really interesting point. So, so realistically, 
and you know the healthcare and the medical industries or you know great practitioners at how to apply laws and then flex the rules um in reality it clear messages and creative programs have an impact but but you know it doesn't mean you can't have some hospitality and you can't have some fun and you can't interact with each other but you have to know the guidelines and the the restrictions within the industry you work in you know clearly you mentioned ethics the ethics in pharmaceuticals for example is such a strong um regulatory influencer that that you you have to know where you can go and do what you can do do the proven tactics um but don't forget it's it's ultimately about you know making the customer do what you want them to do right okay so uh talking about that and, and, and about people then how have you seen um tactics change from when you started to now i mean obviously digital's uh, exploded you know and particularly with um, what's happened with covid and with lockdown everyone is now looking at digital and obviously yes. we're having this conversation which is going to be on linkedin which is a primary yes. example of how things have changed so what trends have you seen in terms of how you have communicated to people over the last 25 odd years in life science you know so from when you first started and what was the standard way of communicating and and giving information to scientists to how you need to do it now is obviously like all forms of media whether it's us consuming watching tv to now everything's become far more fragmented hasn't it in terms of how you, you communicate so how have those changed what sort of tactics do you see working now the trends now compared to what they were before i think it's a, it's a great question this one because you know ultimately what what companies do depends on the environment that they're in and the time frame that they're in i was going you saw me think and then start but i was going to say the difficulty and this is a difficulty every year and every decade is often uh we do see clients who think they should be doing exactly the same as their competitors and there's there is a certain amount of um well, I have to do it because everybody's doing it approach. Sure. Um, we always try and counter that to a degree. I, I don't believe that companies stand out if they look like everybody else. Um, so obviously you need to challenge the status quo. Uh, if you go back to when we started the business, fax was one of the things that we used to use. And, you know, clearly you can't fax people nowadays nobody even knows if they have a fax machine never mind if it's plugged in um but ultimately the tactics whether it's linkedin that you mentioned whether it's search engines whether it's some of the scientific search tools whether it's twitter whether it's um you know in china some of the chinese only platforms like wechat they're still dependent on people creating content um so so realistically there's a common theme which has has come through which is you know you you start with a message and you communicate that message whatever the channel available to you is and the only differences are what the limitations or capabilities of the platform are so you know maybe you've gone from long form from print to short form maybe you know obviously twitter is a few number of characters whereas um you know on um some of the google algorithms you need long 
detail search forms so everything in terms of the technology and understanding the technology needs to uh, change but ultimately it's about how you communicate the message and to get to the right person uh, I also need to say that, you know, while we started in B2B PR, we've evolved enormously. So about a third of our business is in that sort of uh, PR content, social media. And then we have other areas of the business in marketing communications. We're doing a huge amount in in um, the social platforms such as LinkedIn. And we do a lot of customer voice work for clients where we work internationally in different languages, like you do actually with Chats with Chowdhury, talking to people, asking them what they do. And you, you know, in science, the peer recommendation and the customer voice stands for so much. It adds much more quality than you know me saying it myself if, if a, a well-known scientist is talking about what they do. So we do a lot of that sort of work where ultimately you use the word of mouth channels in the new platforms. So looking ahead then in terms of communications, obviously, as I said, um, you know, digital is now obviously the main focus. Uh, with people in lockdown and, and there not being a lot of live events. There are still a few going. I know Ilmac was in Switzerland only a couple of weeks ago. So there are still some and there are obviously some planned for next year. But when they'll actually be live is a debatable question. So looking ahead, you know, where, uh, how, what do you see the future for communications in terms of the trends? I mean, you know, there's a lot of automated stuff now happening in terms of digital automation, whether it's in social media, there's a lot of targeted sort of marketing going on through social media and also, you know, email marketing. I mean, before it was all about print, then print was replaced by websites and websites were replaced by targeted marketing, e-marketing, and then it was all about obviously digital now. So where, what do you see uh, the future for communications you know how do you think that will be developing I think it's a really interesting question because you asked that in 2020 people are going through such a change in how they work uh, in on an individual basis on a business basis you know national international basis I think um, you can't take the political environment out of this question because it influences what's happening so much to all of us at the moment and we're all um, I'm going to say suffering wherever we are from our local and national and international politics. And these things influence, you know, just look at, uh, I don't want to date our conversation, but you look at the situation between Trump trying to stop the Chinese platforms marketing and having access to American um American citizens and American budgets and these sorts of things, these all provide opportunities and threats. So, you know, my simple answer is I don't know the answer. Uh, if I had known what I know now, 15, 20 years ago, I'd be a very much more rich woman. You know, <laughs> I'd have invented LinkedIn or Google. We, you know, we were all in the same environments with access to the same platforms. But it takes a visionary to take something much further. And I'm definitely not that. I'm somebody who does a job and does it well and exceeds. The, the thing that we have going for us, and I think this is um, tried and tested, is... If you're flexible and you don't say this is the only way, there's always something that you can try that will be new. And I think I think the big thing is to recognise that, uh, you know, 
some platforms just die and you you can't do anything about it in 2020 unfortunately you know some industries have died and you can't do anything about it so so the real thing is to be flexible like yourself recreate do something new um, learn from challenge and change and that's how people really succeed don't just do the same as everybody else Right. Well, that's good advice. You always need to be flexible and open-minded about how you do things. So, um, okay. So uh, let's let's look about your journey. So, mm. which maybe this is a loaded question, but you know, as a woman in science, working in science, have you found that to be a barrier? And you know, you know, there's been a lot of talk over the last few years. I mean, when I started working in science in 2016, one of the first events I went to was BPI Boston, where they had a women's in sub biopharma session running and that was 2016 and as they're still talking about that now so so from your perspective as a woman do you think um that's held you back and what advice would you give to women who are working in life science as well it's uh, you know it's it's a loaded question because i have a daughter who's 16 and she is taught at school about you know needing opportunities for women frankly where we sit I think we have a, a number of opportunities in this industry at the moment and I don't think we're disadvantaged at all um, I'd also preface that by saying you know I'm, I'm an employer I lead a business I employ women um, predominantly women I do not see any of us having any disadvantages and I'm asked questions in questionnaires every day and I have to answer honestly you know I'm on a number of boards and the performance of boards is scientifically proven to be better with women on them I think the only thing we should be doing is opening more doors but I don't think that those opportunities are not available to us I think personally and obviously I'm speaking for myself now um, I've never noticed the difference I I want to do something, I do it. I don't see myself as a woman, I see myself as me. And therefore I've never seen the doors that are closed to me either. Um, maybe that is part of my character trait. You know, if you don't see it, it doesn't hurt you. If you do see it, you kick it down. Um, so I just think that people have to, I'm talking to my daughter now, stop having a chip on their shoulder and get on and do it um, because, the, the opportunities are there and if you if you don't find them create them nice. they definitely can be created okay and well that, that leads on to my next question about um entrepreneurs and so on again uh you know we're in a situation right now where unfortunately a lot of people through no fault of their own are looking at quite uncertain futures and deciding what they do they may be about to be maybe redundant they may be redundant right now or they may be deciding to make new life choices so if you were talking to someone right now and saying you know who was considering starting their own business what advice would you give them okay absolutely first and foremost is know yourself you run your own business i run my business we are different people we have different needs um and you have to understand your own needs so the first thing i did was look at myself very, very quickly and say, I can't work on my own. I cannot sit in my garage and not see people every day. Here we are in 2020 and, you know, you don't see everybody every day. And I crave interactions with people. So you have to know what you're like. What can you do? What 
you can't do and how you thrive because you have to build an environment in which you can thrive it's, it's a bit inevitable to say but you you'll fail if you don't know yourself um secondly and i know that this is again a real um truism but money cash is king and it has been from day one you can only succeed with cash flow and you can only keep going with cash flow um we very fortunately don't trust our prime minister and therefore have spent the last three years building our brexit fund to protect us against what we see coming and that has stood us in very good stead for what we didn't see coming in 2020 you know but you have to recognize that you need that money buffer to protect you as an individual it's easier said than done but you know to build a business you have to feed yourself and the money has to come in before you can do the great things that you want Want to do with your business fine finally if you're going to not be self-employed and if you are going to run a business it brings huge responsibilities and i don't think that employees ever see that or think about that so if you're really building a business you have to recognize that it can be lonely that you're the one who's you know holding the buck and back against the wall and the buck does stop with you so you have people's livelihoods that you're responsible for and it's never been um more true than now we didn't follow anybody and we fortunately didn't have to but but actually people's livelihoods are so important and in 2020 you look at that and you think you know people have to look after their families they have to feed other people not just themselves and so running a business is not just about the fun and, and the the great things you do and the fabulous client base but it's about the responsibility you have to people and to their families and to their futures and that's really important I think um to do that you need a trusted team around you and you need to trust people um and there's a whole different conversation we can have about trust which uh it's another day, I think. Yeah, sure. Well, I'll finish with one last question for you then, which is, um, again, touched upon what you just talked about. You know, uh, when I first started out, leadership, when you read books on leadership, leadership, and you read about great leaders, it was always about how they sort of led from the front and uh, took charge. And people sort of did as they said. And there was sort of no sort of, communication necessarily it was more like this is what we're going to do and people would go and do it obviously people have changed mm -hmm. generations have changed behaviors have changed what do you think makes a great leader now decisiveness 100 percent. and just that so uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, do you think i mean i mean what i think it was i mean i mean empowerment is a very strong word which is a word which is used a lot now and inclusiveness so and things like that so in terms of leadership i mean whereas before leaders would often say well this is what we're going to do they'd make the decision it was not democratic at all it was like very autonomous and i'm going to make this and you know and disaster comes from that as well i appreciate but you know do you think you know in terms of empowerment and you, know, you run your own company as you said you've got lots of people who work with you work for you so how does that work with you then in terms of the people you've got working with you? Yeah, I mean, you, you're right to bring empowerment and um, flexibility and all sorts of things into the equation. But you can only empower people you trust. And you heard me mention trust earlier. And it's so important. You know, 
for every success I have had as a business, I've had a failure. And part of that has come through people, you know, having the right people around you. If it's the wrong people, it can all go disastrously wrong. Um, so you have to empower people, but they have to be people who you trust with your life, your business, other people's livelihoods. Um, so, you know, these two are intrinsic, intrinsically linked. I answered my question very specifically because I think I'm coloured by the environment we're in. I think we're in a failure of leadership in politics. I think we're in a failure of leadership in many things. And I think, I think part of that just comes from if you sit on the fence, nobody can know what you really are trying to do. You know, it's better off doing something wrong and getting, you know, people behind you than doing nothing at all. So I, I really feel the only other thing about that is do learn from your mistakes. Perfect. Well, that's a lovely way to end this then, actually, Kath. Well, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to me. It's lovely to see you all doled up, I have to tell you. I mean, though Kath does normally look like this glamorous as well normally when I see her, so mm. it's no different, really. <laughs> but we always share a love of, of um, exciting shoes and unusual colours. Yeah, well, you're going to make people think now I'm wearing high heel shoes when I go out, Kath. Where you say things <laughs> I, I never know. do. <laughs> I've, got, I've got silver flats on today. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, it's lovely to see you. Thank you very much for that. I hope... Um, you found that useful to talk to me and I hope everyone enjoyed that and found that useful as well. I think there's some great advice there as well. If you are starting up on your own and you're starting your own business, and also if you're trying to think about how you communicate, uh, you know, not just in science, but in other areas as well, because the world is changing and you do have to be flexible. You need to look at what the options are. And it's not just about always doing the same old thing time after time. You know, it is about evaluating and then seeing what might work for you, not just what works for other people, because everyone is different and you need to find out what's unique for your own business and your own personality as well. So I really agree with that. Kath. Thank you very much for your time, Kath. It's lovely to see you. Thank you, Rizvan. It's always lovely to see you and hopefully we'll see each other in person soon. Yeah, I, God knows when that will be, but hopefully it will be soon. All right, well, well, lovely to see you. Look after yourself. And to everybody else, I hope you found that useful. If you've got any comments for Kath and what we've talked about today, please, please, please uh, put a comment below the video. If you liked it, make sure you like it, put a comment on it. We'd love to get your feedback. And, and as always, uh, look after yourselves and stay well and stay safe. Until next time, bye-bye.